Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. Welcome to the Movers Mindset Podcast, where I talk with movement enthusiasts to learn who they are, what they do, and why they do it. My guest today is Damien Puddle. Welcome, Damien. Hey, thanks for having me, Craig. I'm, I say this all the time in a lot of shows. I'm always super excited to get a chance to use the internet to talk to people all over the world. Uh, I have not yet had what I understand would be a distinct pleasure of getting to visit New Zealand. Uh, it's on my bucket list, but it's a little ways to go from where I am. I, there's so many things that we could talk about, right? Because if people who are listening who know who Damien Puddle is, they're like, oh, what? They're, they're rubbing their hands together. What's Greg going to ask about? We're not going to talk about anything like that. What I'm most curious about is everybody's, each person's journey to like how they got into movement or like what kind, like when I see people doing little weird gapping challenges that like that scratches my itch and I have to go join them. Um, so I, my first thing that I noticed that I was like, Oh, I didn't know that was that you actually have a PhD in parkour. And I'm like, Oh, that we're, we're going to talk about that. So my question <laughs> around that is, did you, this, my wife has a PhD in mathematics and I have some other close family members who have like PhDs in physics and chemistry. Like, how did you decide to make your dissertation be parkour? Were you into parkour and you saw, oh, I have an opportunity. I can jam my passion into my thesis. Or were you like, oh crap, I need a topic for a thesis. And you went out and discovered parkour. Like how did, which is first, the chicken or the egg? Yeah, yeah. So, well, no, actually some of the bios that I've written about myself where I've been written about me really talk about it all happening concurrently. So I started parkour in 2008 um here in new zealand after meeting a guy named um barnaby matthews or barnes um and anyone who uh has heard of the plus barnes tour um should go and or if they don't haven't heard of it they should go and watch that on youtube um but um i met this guy barnaby at um college i guess you'd call it in the us here it's uh it's not university it's but it's an equivalent um called polytech um and so i was doing uh, we were we were both doing uh, a degree in sport and exercise science um and i met him um and we became good friends and he did parkour he'd been doing parkour for four years um and the reason this thing called the barnes tour exists is because no one else did parkour in new zealand and he would fly over to australia um <laughs> And it happened to coincide. His first trip was when uh, David Bell was supposed to be coming on a worldwide tour and ended up not happening, or at least not going to Australia like it planned. But at least Barnaby was there. And so there was the Barnes tour. And so he, it was like he was the big guest, just this guy from New Zealand. Um, and so he was excited when I got into it because a few people were starting to get into it. There weren't too many other people in, in our city. Um, and then as my studies continued, I just got so interested in parkour that I tried to spin every single project of, of any kind that I did towards <laughs> parkour because I realized there was no, there's hardly any research written about it at all. Um, and yeah, so that kind of kicked me on this journey of mm. uh, academia and parkour. So and your thesis advisor, like how did that fly when you, when you, I don't know how it works where you are, mm. but I know how it works in the States when you're like, this is what I'm going to do my doctoral dissertation on. They're like, no, you can't, do it. <clears throat> you can't do something with people's weights. You cannot do it on paper folding. Move on. Right? <laughs> so like, how, how did that, did you have trouble convincing your committee or was it a pretty easy sell? Um, it, it was like, it's always a journey. Um, the, the thing I suppose that was interesting to me and might be interesting to you, given some of the things you shared with me before we started recording, is that my 
my undergraduate research, which was the first thing that I, I, I published, um, it was published in 2013, so it's quite an early article, was on biomechanics. And so I was very much interested in the actual physical movement, hmm. um, you know, looking at forces and kinetics and kinematics of movement and things like that, looking at drop landings, trying to understand the role, um, precision landing, things like that. Because it always felt better, you know, to do to land like that. I've never landed like that. I learned to land like that, and then it felt better than any mm. other way I'd learned to land. And there was a, um, I guess it became a thing that other parkour people were kind of felt good about how they landed, and you know, not necessarily use it as a cudgel to beat other people's choices of, of movement and landing, but you know, have felt, you considered not good, hurting you know? yourself? Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We, we feel good and we're not hurting ourselves. Why why hasn't this happened before? What what can we learn about it? So that was my initial research trajectory. But in general, that research process, I just got really excited. You can find out new information. You can go and talk to people. You can explore stuff and you can um, figure things out. But at, at the same time, um, I was getting more and more involved with um, involved with the formation and then ended up taking over the, the leadership role um, at Parkour New Zealand. And through that process, I became increasingly more interested in why people were practicing and how they were practicing and what were the opportunities to enhance their practice and support what they were doing and, and protect it. And um, it's more of the qualitative research and sort of social understanding of the practice rather than the biomechanics. And so I had been interested in doing my PhD, but in my where my thinking had gone to I didn't think I had a good enough question to warrant three years or more of my time <laughs> as well as end up with something that might just end up saying yeah parkour landings are good you know mm. um or not as good you know I didn't think it had a big enough um draw card for me and for the community because I wanted the research to be valuable to the parkour community um and so I just didn't do that um, and so I just finished my honours degree an extra year after the, the degree, um, uh, did a bunch of different work, personal training, um, was parkour coaching, working with parkour NZ, a few different things. And then through that process, I ended up meeting one of my supervisors um, who invited me to speak on a panel um, at a conference for our run by a national sports ministry, Sport NZ, mm. talking about action sports. Um, and so... I was there um, at this conference um, talking with her. She interviewed me for some of her own research and then met her colleague who she'd done a lot of writing with. Um, so this is Holly Thorpe. Um, and then while there, I met her colleague, Belinda Wheaton, um, and they hypnotized me into doing a PhD in the sociology of sport, which I had no experience <laughs> in. But because of that trajectory of my own thinking and interests, yeah, I was just struck by, oh, yeah, I've wanted to do a PhD. I'm interested in doing further learning. Actually, I think there's probably something here that I can explore um, that has greater value and interest for myself as well as for the community. Um, mm. So the irony, I think, is that the original research that was available was sociology mm. of sports stuff, and in 20, 2011 was one of the, uh, uh, an early article as well by Belinda, and I had brushed it off going, oh, this is not interesting. I want to know about biomechanics. Um, <laughs> and, and then world, I did a complete right. 180. Um, I, I, you mentioned the word trajectory in there, and that makes me think about how each of us, uh, and this is 
my personal experience and what I've seen from people that I've talked to, that each of us has a trajectory, words, has a trajectory to their own personal journey of exploration and growth. So like I found parkour at a certain age, at a certain season, you know, like the time of year and like with a certain group of people. And if you had changed any one of those things, I might be a completely different person or on a completely different journey. And I, I like how you're a lot of the waypoints that you were describing in that show this trajectory of somebody who's uh, passionately or eminently curious, um, mm. but maybe not the wisest, right? Like you missed some signposts along the way, but when you look back, you're like, yeah, no, I actually need to do this long, longer, you know, end run to learn that sociology plays a big part of it. It's not just biomechanics. Um, so mm. I, I just like that word that you use trajectory for that is a really nice way to sum it up. I'm wondering about, so I, you and I have some shared book passions. I'm a big fan of Vincent Thibault's work. Um, and I noticed one of the things, if you want to learn a lot about people, is just scroll, hold down the page down key, scroll all the way back. I use Instagram on a browser on my desktop. Scroll all the way back to the yeah. beginning and see what their first posts are, because most people don't delete them. Um, and you had a post there. I'm like, oh, look, that's one of Vincent's books. And I'm, I'm wondering if you... Uh, so I'm going to say you seem to be drawn more toward Art de Placement, toward the French guy's way of thinking about the culture around parkour, not so much fishing for, you know, what's the right word for it, what do we call it, but uh, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on how the culture of parkour, because here's, I'm like thinking about the sociology part of the Venn diagram, like there's a physicality, there's, I'm making circles in the air, like people can see sociology part, there's the physicality Venn diagram, then there's like a an organizational, I don't have the education or the words for all this, but there's all these little Venn things that come together. And then what we all call parkour, free running, art de placement, is this little special, I think, special place in the center. And I'm, I'm wondering if you have any, ooh, I'm gonna say guiding words of wisdom for people who, <laughs> are like really into the physicality part of it and they're starting to get to that plateau where you're like okay where one is like this is really cool but i feel like there's something else bigger here that i'm missing and, and my brain says yeah that's the societal the cultural part of it i'm wondering if you have any words of wisdom like yeah if you're training and you really feel like you want to take it to the next level you need to maybe it's travel maybe it's read maybe it's find your local park organization and figure out how to volunteer and contribute maybe it's find the national organization area like how do we help if we think we can how do we help people expand their horizons yeah what a what a ramble easy question yeah i think you're a guy what a who's wild got question <laughs> I, I do i think actually i do have something to share so um yeah i wasn't familiar with vincent's uh books previously but i yeah i love to read um before research and academic you know, reports and articles <laughs> and theses and stuff. It was novels. And um, yeah, I'm the, I'm the guy that will read the whole report when people ignore it entirely or, or only skim it. I'll, you know, I go into all the detail. So I, I like to read. Um, at the same time, New Zealand is heavily geographically isolated. So I've only done parkour in Australia and Canada outside of New Zealand. I have. Um, Canadian citizenship. Um, I lived there for eight years, um, and yeah, I'm traveling back and forth there. And Australia is the closest um, to us, and it's three hours away by plane. So, um, I guess the thing that I would say is that parkour is so much bigger than often we think it is. 
Um, I think, you know, people people could probably learn that just by listening to all the guests you've had on your podcast in terms of the three <laughs> words they use. You know, what, what does their practice mean to them? Um, yeah. what, uh, Holy crap, um, you're not kidding, right. <laughs> you know, the, but the, like when I started, I was, I had a much more dogmatic view of what is, what is the practice and mm. how do you do it and how should you do it? Um, and through that journey and then in my in my thesis a, a, a very different point of view because i introduced the concept from a another theory that was applied to the um so sort of the sociology of science i think it was um called a boundary object theory and it is essentially trying to identify that different actors within a community within a uh, a, a space will perceive the same thing differently to other actors in the same series. And so mm. they use the examples of, of a squirrel um, within a museum um, is, is perceived of differently to the, the museum curator, to the taxidermist, to the, um, to the cartographer who mapped the area where the squirrel was caught, you know, to the trapper, you know, all of these people perceive the squirrel differently. And therefore the squirrel is a boundary object because it touches all these, the boundaries of all of these different actors in the system. Um, and so I described parkour as a boundary object um, and that um, not, not, Yes, there's all the actors in the system in terms of the the practitioner, the security guard, the lay person, you know, all those public, sort of different perceptions right. of parkour. But I say actually within the community itself, all of the different perceptions, all of the different uh, national communities and sub-communities um, mm. and all of those interpretations, the language, the different language we use, the different terminology, the different camps we sort of hold on to, all of those um, make parkour itself a boundary object to the community itself, all having different touch points into the practice. Um, and so I tried to use that as a different way of describing parkour than say um, it's a subculture or it's a this, you know, some right, of those terminology dream. really put it into a very specific type of camp. Um, and I was like, my especially like you know i would read read work by jeffrey kidder who's a, a an academic i think from chicago um and he studied a bunch of you know the chicago community and he was kind of writing in a way that parkour is this and i was like that's not how i experienced parkour um, you know, he's, <laughs> he's got this, um, I'm sure it's happened in other places, but there's a, there was a part where he's, you know, there's a lot of young guys that he was following along and they were like, it's shirtless o'clock and they all take their shirts <laughs> off and, um, right. and jump around. And it was like, I have literally never, ever seen that in New Zealand. Like every now and again, someone gets hot. Um, but there's sort of no gender discrimination in terms of the removal of clothing to, to, to train when it's hot. Um, so I was like, what is this? Is that American Park? Was that Chicago Park? Or is oh, that cool. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Kidder's um, approach or, or perception? I was like, actually, that is parkour. That's, that's that experience. And maybe that's not a great, uh, you know, um, yeah, maybe role model wanna, for our practice. <laughs> we don't want to um, amplify you know, that, even though we just did, but, but okay. <laughs> but is it not that? Like it gets a little tricky and I don't, I don't necessarily want to, to dive into this, but you know, when someone says, oh, well, that's not parkour and this is parkour, but I just wanted to, I guess, present parkour in a way that actually was broader and more holistic based on all of the things I had seen and experienced, all my readings, my own training, um, the, the, the 
the thesis topic was the globalization of parkour. New Zealand is as geographically removed from France as you can get. So what was the trajectory <laughs> of, of, you know, coming to our nation um, and how do we perceive it? So, yeah, I really liked boundary object theory to, to convey that. So my, my tidbit in that big long-winded thing was it's so much bigger than even our own personal practice and um, it's worth exploring that. And I think you do that with your podcast, which is really cool. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Um, if you're scribbling notes, you could just press pause. Uh, there's a whole bunch of, I mean, first of all, I'm writing notes like boundary object. What is this? What? You know, I'm like taking notes for myself. I have homework to do now. But I think it's always super useful when you encounter another mind that says, oh, I, I think it's vanilla, you know, or like not that you're giving me a simple explanation, but they say something that sounds really simple. And then I, and you're like, huh, I thought this was strawberry or, you know, butter can or something. And, and you, you suddenly realize that your perspective, it's your, your lived experience is true kind of by definition. Right. But suddenly you realize that there are all these other perspectives. And then that like, um, uh, what's the Leonardo DiCaprio movie with the dimensions and the multiple, I can't even remember the uh, inception that like inceptions <laughs> you're like what mind bending and then you suddenly i find that when i have those mind bending experiences i'll say that was a little mind a small mind bending experience with the idea of the boundary object um for some reason that, that makes me want to go do rail work like i don't know why i'm just like it's been my mind. I feel like I'm some rail work and i'm just like for me rail work is a big part of what i would consider my experience of parkour so i should probably go do more of that it's just strange how it doesn't make me, those little experiences don't make me want to totally throw out everything that I'm doing and head for a shirtless o'clock in Chicago. Uh, <laughs> it makes me like appreciate what I'm lucky enough to do. Maybe it makes me yeah. appreciate it more. Um, There's a, um, haven't done it for a couple of years because of COVID. Um, and yeah, if anyone's noticing my voice, I do have COVID at the moment. <laughs> That's the um, only reason I could get him but, on the show. He's like, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I'm no. sequestered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but no, this is good because it's making me feel energized and, and have, have more energy than I, I perhaps haven't in, in, in truth. Um, but I, um, because of my 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 supervisors and I was lecturing at the university when I at uh, the conclusion of my PhD for for a time, um, we would have a group come over to New Zealand from um, Miami University, not the University of Miami in Florida, but Miami University in uh oxford ohio um which is I've, very confusing at the time i've heard of that one i'm fairly close to Ohio, and i've heard um, that yes yeah would, would come over with a group of, of students for an, like a an exchange type program thing um and they would always come down to the university and do a session with me on parkour and so i'd do a lecture and then would go and practice it on the campus um which is always super fun i really enjoyed it um but in i ended up turning my lecture into a video and the whole video is just watching and pausing and talking about it from the, the from the movement perspective so it kicks mm. off with videos of um the emikaze and of david bell sebastian Foucan, um and then just goes through all sorts of different types of people as well as different types of practice to go that's parkour that's mm. parkour that's parkour um you know, because there's, there's old people that do it and there's kids that do it and there's people that do it up on high rise buildings and there's people that do it very low to the ground and mm -hmm. there's people that do it, um, I guess, kind of 
sedately and just at a sort of you know a, a, just a casual pace yeah, there's Marcus people who Dan. are frenetic and you know um bring a lot of energy and athleticism to it there are there are people that are trying little intricate challenges and there are people that are trying big long endurance things um and i guess except for when there's some external actor coming into the, the scene to say it's none of those things we're telling you what it is it's all of those things and so um and i got really good feedback from them about actually that was one of the coolest presentations we've ever had there was no slides it was just a video we just got to experience and see the movement before going out to actually participate and do it ourselves um and so yeah you can just find all these videos and and now there are new videos and new things that i want to add to that lecture Mm. as well because there's just so many different ways of of moving different people who move um yeah (laughs) terrific um yeah i got you know, 9 million more questions, but um, time has flown by uh, as much as I hate to say, I think it's a good place to stop. I think that is a good place to stop. Um, I hope everybody else found that as stimulating as I did. This doesn't have to be our only conversation. I will just say, and of course, the final question, three words to describe your practice. Yeah, always, always, always a challenge. Um, I, I'm going to say three words that I relate to some stuff that we didn't talk about, um, but perhaps uh, uh, fruit for a future conversation mm-hmm. would be play, fun, and awkward. Delicious, and, um, terrific. Yeah, if you search and, uh, hashtag annoying parkour, you might um, <laughs> you might find a couple of. Uh, <laughs> those uh why i find why i like to play and why uh, why sometimes it's awkward um, well terrific thank you for taking the time it was a distinct pleasure um i definitely would want to talk to you more i don't know when i will ever get to new zealand but the beauty of zoom and the internet is doesn't have to be in person so cool um i wish you all the best of luck in all the other things that we didn't talk about that you're involved in that you're doing and also for a speedy recovery so thanks so much damien my pleasure thanks craig mm-hmm.